right, we, they're up there, ready to go? All right. We thought today we'd talk about the power of the Holy Spirit that was revealed in Caleb. A few months ago, we were visiting with a, a minister who had been a minister for uh, many, many, many years. And as Marilyn and I were visiting with him, I happened to say uh, something about Caleb in the Old Testament. And he looked at me. Remember, he'd been in ministry many years. And he said, I'd never, ever heard of Caleb. So he gives you an idea of where this man was coming from and the type of books he read. It was probably not the, the Old Testament. Well, today we want to talk about uh, Caleb and give you a little bit of background. First, you remember the story quite well, I'm sure, as we look about Numbers chapter 13. The Israelites were in Egypt and they were coming towards the promised land. They were promised that it was going to be a land of uh, milk and honey, flowing with milk and honey. And here they were as they were ready to approach and Moses called 12 spies to go and check out the land. He chose the key leader from each of the tribes. And Caleb and Joseph, Joshua were two of the ones that were going to be a part of that team. They were to go and search the land for 40 days and then to come back and give a report to Moses. They came back, 10 of the spies, and some of you know this because you've heard it in Sunday school, some of you have taught it, came back, 10 of them gave a bad report, Joshua and Caleb gave a very good report. Caleb and Joseph wanted to go back and take over the land, got to the place where the people of Israel wanted to stone them because they got so afraid, and Moses and Joshua and Caleb had to back off. As a result of that, the 10 spies that disagreed and had this big fight over the new land, they ended up dying in a plague. And then God told the Israelites every day that the spies were in the promised land, you will march in the wilderness one year for one day. And so for 40 days, 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. So we pick up the story here about Caleb and Joshua 14, if you have your Bibles. And the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back words to him as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. I want you to really hang on to that phrase and think about it for yourself as we look at the life life of Caleb. I wholly followed the Lord my God. And we could ask ourselves the question on a daily basis, do I wholly follow the Lord 
my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, well, Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now I am this day 85 years old. As yet I am strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. He said, give me this mountain. I'll go back, and I'll look after the Anakims. Going on in that passage. And Joshua blessed him, and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the life of Caleb. Thank you for Joshua. Thank you for Moses. Thank you for the way that you have blessed us, that we can read this at any time and be blessed by it. We thank you, God, for the way the Holy Spirit ministered to Caleb so he could do the work that you'd called him to do. And we ask you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would guide us this day. We realize, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. I just happen to be in this place for a few moments to share the word of God. And so we thank you. We pray, God, our hearts would be open to hear what you have for us. In Christ's name, amen. So we ask the question, how is the power of the Holy Spirit revealed in us? I'll get back to Caleb in a moment. Firstly, we must accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior. The Holy Spirit does not come into our life unless we know Jesus in a personal way. And we recognize from God's word that God wants a personal relationship with us because Jesus Christ died for us. John eleven twenty five, Jesus Christ outside the grave of Lazarus talking to Martha. They were having a dialogue, came to the place just before he raised Lazarus and said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he was dead, yet shall he live. And so we recognize that Jesus is the resurrection. We need to firstly realize that we've sinned against God and need a Savior to save us. Clear from God's word from Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, for the wages of sin is, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's you, that's me. We need to recognize that Jesus Christ died for you. He died for me. John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And of course, we should all know John three sixteen. Uh, I was not in a, a church when I was growing up in the foster home, didn't know too much about this. But one of the verses that I learned quite quickly as I came to Christ was John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. 
God so loved you, God so loved me, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So we need to ask God to forgive us for our sins. Revelation 3.20, every once in a while, I'd have people in counseling say, what is this door? And someone's standing outside the door knocking. Of course, they're asking that question because they didn't know God in a personal way through Jesus. And so I reminded them of Revelation 3.20, where Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door, your heart's door. And if you'll open that door, if you'll open your life, I'll come in and I will fellowship with you and you can fellowship with me and I'll be there forever and ever and ever. The very moment that Christ comes into your life, he never, ever, ever leaves you. And then, of course, from Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we have to believe in our heart and we have to confess it. And of course, we need to ask Jesus to come into our life. What I did at age 19, I had to go through those steps and recognize that I could never make it on my own, recognize that I was a sinner and I needed Jesus Christ to save me, to understand that he was the only one that could change me. And then as a result of that, I was able to say, yes, Jesus, come into my heart and change me. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, he says in John 14, He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, that he will abide with you forever. And of course, in Acts 1.8, Jesus said just before he left to go home to his father, just before the crucifixion, and he left this message with the disciples and with us as well. But you will receive power after that. The Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And we can, of course, look at it from our point here, that when Christ comes into your life and the Holy Spirit comes in and gives you that power, you are witnesses in this community throughout Saskatoon, throughout Saskatchewan, and throughout the world. And that would be the teaching that Jesus would give if he was speaking from Acts 1.8 to us today. I want to review the, the Holy Spirit. Usually when I'm teaching on the Holy Spirit in counseling at the master's level, I probably look at about 30 or 35 different areas. But uh, today I'll just give you a few just to whet your appetite for this whole area of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Probably all of you have been involved in a baptism. And the pastor says just before he puts the person down in the water, he says, I baptize you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The three parts of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Secondly, Prior to Pentecost in Acts 2, remember the story, tongues of fire, all the things that happened during that time, 3,000 came to Christ. He would come upon people, okay? So when we look at Caleb, actually the Holy Spirit would come upon him. Later on, we find that he came within, as Jesus would say, and I'll share that in just a moment. 
So prior to Pentecost, he would come upon people, Moses, Caleb, Joshua, David, Samson. And then after he lived within the individuals that Jesus said, I will pray and the Holy Spirit will come within you. And that happened as recorded in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Thirdly, he convicts men of sin, draws them to Jesus, and powers them. Uh, this auditorium kind of reminds me a little bit of the auditorium. The auditorium that I was in was a little smaller, perhaps. But we were having a rally in Kenora, Ontario, and I was sitting down there thinking I was doing all right. The only problem is the preacher at that time was telling me all the things that I've done wrong, and I needed to make a commitment to Christ and accept him into my life. It was that time that the Holy Spirit, no doubt about it, came upon me and convicted me of my sin, and I went forward, and at age 19, my life has never, ever been the same. That didn't mean I needed, didn't need some work. Uh, I, uh, I had to learn lots of things before I would talk to uh, Dallas and Leah. And uh, the one thing I learned very, very clearly was the closer that I am to the Lord Jesus, the stronger I am. And today, dear ones, I want to make sure that it's very clear that I'm here to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. He convicts men of sin, draws them to Jesus, and then he empowers them. What happens with uh, too many people? Perhaps they struggle with that whole area. And as I look at a couple of these others, it'll maybe help you. His name is abused by erroneous teaching. And I'm sure you've heard lots of messages on that. We don't have time. I'm just mentioning that. You know that. He's neglected by many Christians. I'm just going to take a moment here. The reason why he's neglected by many Christians is Dear ones, don't expect the Holy Spirit to minister in power in your life if you've got sin in your life. The Holy Spirit is not going to empower you. The Holy Spirit is not going to move in your life to touch other people's lives if you're not interested in obeying him. Every time I stand in the pulpit, I want to make sure that my heart, my life is pure and clean. I don't want to be standing in the pulpit and saying things that are not from the Holy Spirit. So just a bit of a challenge. Perhaps you want to go out and do things for, for God. Make sure you ask God to cleanse you and fill you with his Holy Spirit before you go. And then you can be empowered. Over 45 plus years of counseling, there have been many, many, many times I had no idea how to help people. But it was at that time the Holy Spirit gave me the words, gave me scripture to minister to people. And so I'm just challenging you with that for your own personal life. He's neglected by many Christians because they don't want to allow him to control their lives. I like my life of grumpiness. <laughs> I like my life of anger, ah, bitterness. It's okay. I mean, all the Christians do that, don't they? Well, that shouldn't be the way we want to live. So he's neglected by many Christians. And then he can be grieved, quenched, and totally rejected. We grieve the Holy Spirit by saying no to him. What he brings into our life, what we're doing that grieves him, and we say, no, I'm not going to deal with that sin. And the longer we hang on to the sin, 
the worse it gets because it becomes very, very destructive in our life. And I know over the years, I'm very, very sad to say, some of the individuals that I knew who were very vibrant for the Lord, very up-and-coming ministry, preaching, teaching, are just sitting on the fence doing nothing for God today. They've allowed sin, they've allowed other things to creep in, and the Holy Spirit is no longer in their life in a powerful way. If I'm talking to you, let me encourage you when you get home, deal with it and ask God to forgive you, wash you, cleanse you, and fill you with his Holy Spirit. His dear ones, the most miserable people in the world who are Christians that will not deal with sin. You'd just be miserable. I'd rather not be miserable. I'm having a good time. So let me encourage you to that. He can be grieved, quenched, or totally rejected. Then we ask ourselves the question, what are the mountains in our own lives? What keeps us from moving forward? I want to look at the life of Caleb, and I just trust it will help you. Remember, during Caleb's time and Moses' time and David's time and Samson's time, the Holy Spirit would come on them for a particular ministry, come on with power, whether it was Samson breaking down the walls or Joshua or Caleb understanding what God was teaching. And then as a believer, then the Holy Spirit comes within. And so as we look at the life of Caleb, God's Holy Spirit came upon him during that time. The Holy Spirit gave Caleb a spirit of meekness. Caleb was committed to his leaders, Moses and to Joshua. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Very, very obedient. He was meek. He was teachable. And of course, we know somebody who was also teachable. Jesus in Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Caleb had a spirit of meekness, just like our Lord Jesus had a spirit of meekness. Of course, we know from the Lord Jesus, it cost him his life. The Holy Spirit gave Caleb then a spirit of courage. And as I'm going through these, I want to encourage you to be thinking about, I can have that. I can have that. I can have that. Gave him a spirit of courage. Numbers 13, 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb said, let us go and possess the land because God will help us. Caleb's idea was, even though he was told there were Anakins, Anakins were giants in the land. And uh, a giant stood beside me, I'd look like a little runt. But Caleb had the idea, if God's with me, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. That was his idea. Let's go and do it. I'm not, I'm not afraid. And of course, we find out later that he was able to do that. And of course, the parallel passage I guess you could use from Ephesians 10, 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But what do we need to do? Put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand in the evil day. The evil 
Is it wicked today, what's going on? Yes. It's an evil day. Take on that whole armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always. Praying. Very important. Caleb said, let's go do it. The others said, we're afraid. And let's not. Caleb was given a spirit of steadfastness. And let me encourage you, young and old, if you're a believer in Christ, ask God to give you a spirit of steadfastness that 40 years from now, young person, you'll just be as strong or even stronger than you are today. And this was Caleb. The Holy Spirit gave him a spirit of steadfastness. Verse 10, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, well, Israel moved about in the desert. So here am I today, 85 years old. That's a long time. I'm not quite that old. I'm working towards it. But a few years ago during my prayer time, I was reading Caleb, 85, and I said, Lord, I'd like to be able to serve you until I'm 85. And so I've got a little ways to go, uh, not too much, and some of you are a little ahead of me, but that's okay. Some of you got a long ways to go. 85 years of age. I'm still as strong today as the Lord, as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Kind of reminded me of Paul in Philippians chapter 3. When he reminds us, he said, I'm going to forget those things that are behind, and I'm going to press on to those things that are in front of me. I'm going to do the things that God wants me to do. Holy Spirit gave Caleb a spirit of generosity. Christians that I know, many, 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 many of them have that spirit of generosity. Some of you know a little bit about my my background, just quickly to make a point, I was teaching high school English for three years, and then God called me to start, a number of other men and women, start a ministry called Christian Counseling Service and Adoption Services, which we ran for 25 years. And I left a job that uh, paid $24,000 a year, and the new board that was struck at that time, they said, Bruce we hope to try and raise $12,000 a year for you. And that's how we started Christian Counseling. Dear ones, 25 years later, we never had a debt. Never had a debt. Many, many times when we were praying for that $1,000 that we needed, it was there. Many times a businessman would come up to me and shake my hand, and there would be a $50 bill in my hand. He said, take your wife out for supper. Those things went on and on and on and on. I know Christians are very, very generous, and I'm so very, very thankful for that. Uh, Christians connected with this church here today and throughout our province have been very, very generous to the Rock Church, and I'm just so excited about what God is doing in this church. And every once in a while, I don't mind fanning the flames for Dallas and Leah 
But I've got another couple of kids I have to fan the flames for, Glenn and Ruth. So that's all right. We can do that. And then, of course, we've got so many wonderful, wonderful people on sound and music and so on. And you are truly blessed. Are you a, a person that is generous? I trust you are. You can't outgive God. God has never shortchanged us in all these years. And so let's keep that in mind. He gave his daughter, at her request, extra land and springs for an inheritance. 19, 19 excuse me, said, she asked her dad to give her also springs of water, and Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. Caleb was generous. Do you want a spirit of generosity? Ask God to give that to you. Jesus Christ was generous. He gave his life. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. The very time that Christ came into my life, I became rich. Very, very rich. And you know that as well, dear Christian. So our response is to repent and obey the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit gave Caleb a spirit of faith. He was committed to God. He said, I followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Faith, I like this quote. You might recognize it as I start even going through it. Faith sees the invisible. Faith believes the incredible. Faith receives the impossible. Corey Ten Boom. A lot of you know the story of Corey Ten Boom, where the family rescued a lot of Jewish people during the war. It would be a good one for you to look at the hiding place, and you'd see some of her good quotes there. And so what is faith that Caleb had? His faith came from three different areas. He spent time with God alone. I'll touch on that in just a minute. He was mentored by a man of prayer and faith, and that was Moses. And he aligned himself with a man of spiritual like-mindedness, and that was Joshua. Dear ones, if you're a committed Christian, just don't hang around people that are very, very negative about the gospel. Don't hang around with people that criticize God's word and God's Holy Spirit. Be with people that love Christ and be a part of that. Faith for the believer then, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You spend time, the word of God, people say, well, I, I, I'd like to have faith. Well, then read you the word of God, be in it every day. Comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If I had time, I'd give you many, many examples of the many miracles that I've seen in our ministry at Christian Counseling and others as well. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we need to keep that in mind, to have faith in him. Now we need to ask ourselves the question, do I need to, or do I want to, conquer my mountains in my life? It could be fear, anger, morality, could be drug culture, could be many other things. And God has given us that power through the Holy Spirit to overcome. So let's look at a few lessons we learned from Caleb. And we ask ourselves a question. Do I spend time with God in prayer and Bible reading and Bible re memorization on a regular basis? 
Let me encourage you to do that because it's going to help you to grow and be empowered to do the things that you need to do. Secondly, am I mentored by and look up to godly men and women? So very, very important to do that. I recognize that there were three men in my life who were godly men, and even though I looked at them from afar, I was ministered to by them, and they helped me in my walk with Christ. And so look to godly men and women that will minister to you. And do I align myself and spend time with spiritual people? Very important to, to do that. As I look at that particular situation, I think of those three men, and I think this is a good time to pull things together. One was a pastor back in Kenora, Ontario, that would not let me go, continue to pray and pray and pray. I wasn't really interested in God and Christ, but he wouldn't let go. In fact, when I made that commitment to Christ at age 19, walked forward, he said, Pringle, you see my gray hair? It's because I've been praying for you. And uh, God was very, very good. He wouldn't let go. I don't remember a man like that at that time. And the next man that was, I looked up to was Dr. Henry Hildebrand at Briarcrest Bible College. I was so fortunate to be uh, in leadership and third year student body president, so I had a chance to pray with him uh, every week. And so what a blessing that was. And this is because of a man like him and the Spirit of God coming from an alcoholic home, coming from foster home where I got kicked out, coming to Christ. My background wasn't very, very good. So every once in a while, my dear wife, Fern, would say, I have no idea how you can be a husband and a father the way you are. And I says, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's men like Dr. Hildebrand, I saw how he treated his wife. I saw how he treated his children. I saw how he loved all the young people and his staff on the campus. And during that time, dear friends, I said, God, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. I come from a real messy home. I saw my dad try to kill my mom. My mom's boyfriend beat her up. I thought he was going to kill her as a six-year-old. I said, God, I don't want to live like that. It was men like that. And the other one was Dr. Henry, Harold Kelm, who was a university professor. And he would pray eight to 12 hours a day. Pray, pray, pray. And those were the three men that mentored me, even from a distance. And so that's why I'm encouraging you to look for people that would be a blessing to you. And so let me encourage you to look at the life of Caleb and say, God, that's what I want to do. I want to be like Caleb. I want God to direct me. Perhaps you're here. You've never invited Christ to come into your life. Just simply say, Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I need you to come into my heart, into my life. Forgive me for all my sins and make me into the person that you want me to be. And he'll come in. And the Holy Spirit will come to dwell and help you. Let's pray. Father, I want to give you thanks and praise for the life of Caleb and Joshua and Moses. You've been so good. Lord God, I just ask you for your touch upon each one of us this day. We recognize, Lord, that the world is not getting better. It's getting worse. And we really need your help. For those here, Lord, that need your special touch, 
We ask you, God, that you administer to them. Lord, perhaps there's some that are struggling in their home and in their marriage and their family. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would explode in their house by the Holy Spirit and minister to them. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Dallas and Leah and all the ones that come alongside and work with them. Thank you for the many that pray and the many that support financially, the many that work behind the scenes and really get recognition for it and bless them. Give them a special blessing today. We give you thanks and praise for your love and your presence. In the powerful name that's above every name, our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.